Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to season two, episode 19 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I have been eagerly awaiting this episode because I'm going to be joined by a very special guest behind the microphone, Dr. Mark Costas, practicing dentist, owner of multiple businesses, and the founder of the Dental Success Institute. You may have heard me appear on Dr. Costas's podcast of a few weeks ago for his show for dental, called Dental Dentalpreneur, excuse me. Uh, and it was a wonderful interview. Now the tables are turned and I get to do the interviewing with Mark. So surely this is gonna be a note-taking episode. Get your pad and pen and ready. Brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports, and as I teased in the introduction, I am joined by none other than Dr. Mark Costas, practicing dentist of multiple locations, multiple practices. The man has more businesses than I have fingers and toes, <laughs> and he is the founder of the Dental Success Institute. I have, I've really been looking forward to having him on our show. He was nice enough to have me on their show um, uh, about a week or two ago. So this is a special treat for us. Mark, welcome to the show. You want to say hello to the audience? Yeah. Hey, Perrin, how you doing? Hi, audience. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm honored. I love what you guys are doing over there. Um, so I can't wait to dig in today. Yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Mark and I have spent some good time together over the last couple of weeks, not only getting to know one another, but also um, sharing business philosophy, I'll say. And it, sometimes it's eerily... Um, uh, it's eerie the way you you find somebody who is of such similar mindset to you. And that's also very rewarding. So I've, I've been looking forward to this interview, like I've said, on multiple occasions. Mark, let's let's maybe take a second before we really roll up our sleeves and dive into a lot of this. And for the the sliver of our audience that might not know you, might not have attended one of your conferences, might not have heard you speak, um, or might not be in your podcast audience, can you give us just a little bit of your background, uh, both as a dentist and an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure, sure. I'd love to. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. I graduated from dental school in 2002. So we'll start there and then I'll back up and then I'll go forward. Um, I was a kid uh, with a bit of a learning disability um, and I ended up being a collegiate athlete. But uh, when I was 16 years old, I ran into the left field fence uh, playing in my very first varsity baseball game, I ended up breaking my jaw and losing most of my upper front teeth. So prior to that, I was um, not interested or, you know, dentistry wasn't on my radar at all. But for the next 16 months after that, I was in and out of the offices of dentists, dental specialists, plastic surgeons, uh, trying to uh, help me restore my face. And it was during that period of time that I grew a very deep admiration for the practitioners and for the profession. And it got 
me very, very interested in dentistry. And that was the point at which I decided that I wanted to be a dentist. And back to my original point, I had a little bit of a learning disability. And unfortunately, two of my three boys, teenage boys, have the same affliction. Um, and, you know, it, as long as you know how to work around it, it's not that big of a deal. But it was undiagnosed for a long time. And and uh, I had a difficulty di difficulty understanding the written word. And my teachers had to read uh, text out loud to me in order for me to understand, um, you know, fully and comprehend what was on the written page. Uh, luckily, um, you know, I, I ran into some really great people that that helped me uh, navigate those waters. Uh, when I finally graduated from college, however, uh, I had just a, a fair GPA. It was, I would call it average at best. And I wasn't a great test taker because, you know, of my learning disability. And I didn't know some of the things that you could do to offset, you know, the four hour, you know, um, formal kind of uh, standardized test. So my, my DAT scores were average at best. So it took me three years and 22 attempts to get into dental school. I finally, after the third year was able to sneak in. So that means that 20 rejections and then one acceptance after three years of, of really, really trying my best to get in. In the meantime, I had started my own uh, business, my first business, and I got into the executive MBA program. So I really kind of cut my teeth during those three years, um, anticipating that I would finally get into dentistry one day. You know, um, Fast forward after I finally graduated, I finally got in, then I finally graduated. Um, I was able to build 16 dental practices. And, and like you kind of alluded to earlier, I've had a number of different entrepreneurial uh, ventures, mostly in the, the dental realm. Fantastic. I, I learned something new every time I talk to you. And uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll share some stories on learning disabilities because I have a, a daughter uh, who probably uh, is um, uh, being challenged the way that you and your boys were um, coming up through the ranks as, as well. So uh, from a parent parental perspective, I, I look forward to um, chatting with you about that. So let's sure. let's talk a little bit about um, maybe the the flagship business, if you will, that you have, uh, if that's the right way of categorizing it, um, uh, dental success. And um, it's it's a an appropriate name for a business after having spent um, part of the weekend with you and some of your mastermind group uh, this past weekend in Charlotte. I, I took voluminous notes <laughs> as a student um, on, on everything except for the clinical aspects. Let me qualify that. Um, okay. But I was amazed at um, the mental horsepower in the room, the collaboration, the open-mindedness, um, and, and really um, sharing experience with with one another. Uh, it's a it was a group like I've never had the privilege of of um, sitting with before. So can you tell the audience a little bit about um, what the Dental Success Institute Dental Success Network is, and maybe how it's uh, structured a, a little bit for the people who are uh, in the program? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for the question. You know. Um, as we're coming up through the ranks, trying to get into the dental profession, you know, a lot of people have an easier time than I did, but, you know, if, if we rewind to, you know, pre, uh, pre-college, you know, many of us kind of had this idea that we want to go into the health professions. So they pick their, their, uh, major or their college based on that. 
then they decide, you know, that they want to go into medicine or dentistry and they, they recognize that they have to get a certain GPA and they have to learn certain, you know, um, undergraduate kind of things. They have to master science and, and math to a certain degree. And, and then you finally get into dental school. If you're lucky enough to get into dental school, it's very, very competitive nowadays. Um, you find yourself, you know, uh, in this class of, you know, 75 to 300 people, depending on the school, everybody's jockeying for position, right? Everybody wants to make sure that they um, get the, the best grades they can to either buffer themselves from other courses that they might not be as strong in, or they want to be the top one, two, three, four, or five in the class and are able to, uh, and able to get that coveted specialization kind of uh, entrance into a specialty program. So, you know, there's ortho, there's perio, there's OS, and those are extremely, extremely um, competitive to get into. And then we have people competing now for military scholarships or other different types of scholarships to offset this ridiculous, um, you know, uh, student loan crisis that we are facing right now in the profession. So as you come up through the ranks, it's very, very isolating and very competitive. And then we finally graduate from dental school. And then like our, our now our colleagues are the people within our own communities that are super competitive with us too, right? So most dentists in their entire careers find themselves siloed. They find themselves on islands by themselves. So I saw this as kind of a selfish way to get around really, really smart people uh, that weren't necessarily in your immediate lo you know, locale and to talk to them about what was working, what wasn't working, you know, what resources were they leaning on? Uh, what experts were they listening to? What vendors did they find good and not so good? So that was kind of the original idea of putting this mastermind together. We started back in 2012 after my first event that had 82 people at it. And I stuffed the room pretty good with, you know, people that were non-dentists because I didn't want to have an empty room, but nobody knew who I was. I had my very first live summit and it wasn't much of a summit when there was actually probably 15 dentists there and the rest were just room stuffers. And we started with 11 people in this mastermind group um, in 2012. And it's evolved significantly, not just in, in size, but the, the, the expertise that is attracted to the room. So we now have people that um, are trying to get to their first million in, in their first venture. We have um, uh, D4s that have actually bought dental practices that are in the, the mastermind group, all the way up to people that have you know, 15, 18 dental practices, and they have a, you know, a le legitimate DSO, and they're trying to to figure out where to go next. So um, if you put that number of people, say 200 people in a room, and you have say 4,000, 4,500 years of collective dental experience, there's going to be failures that you can learn from. There's gonna be successes that you can learn from. There's going to be contacts that could be shared. And the success inside the room is actually infinite. It's exponential and it's infinite. And we've watched we've watched our, our group evolve into this powerhouse of really, really smart people. So you start with the basics of understanding how a dollar fl flows through your dental practice with, with um, overhead and cash flow control, but then it spins off to things like culture within the dental practice, systemization, um, hiring and firing, HR, those sorts of things that every single dental practice or group has to kind of master. And 
also a huge part of our group, and you saw this when you were there this past weekend, is that balance, uh, making sure that you don't sacrifice everything in your personal life in order to achieve a financial uh, goal or you know a business growth goal. It's possible to have it all if you structure it the right way. Yeah, very very well said, Mark. You know, I I recall a, a book I read probably back in business school. So it's been over twenty years now, but it's called The Paradox of Success: uh, When Winning at Work Means Losing at Life, and um, it it talks a lot about that. And and I think um, your approach. So so you opened up the session on Friday morning with a three minute meditation. Mm-hmm. You know that. That wasn't on the agenda. I know it was on your agenda, but I didn't expect it right out the shoot. And right. and so it was something that I had never seen in in a setting like that before. And, mm-hmm. and everybody else in the room had seen it. They probably it didn't need to be on the agenda because they were expecting it. So I'm sitting there looking mm-hmm. at it like trying to do the compare and contrast with all the other industry conferences that I attend. And my gosh, if it's not death by PowerPoint, it's death by panel. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got a handful of people sitting in chairs on the stage with a moderator going through standard boilerplate Q&A. And, and these people have reached the stage because they've reached a high level of success. And they're the names, you know, at least in our world, they're the names of group practices. You know, um, they they are they're worth um, their palmares, so to speak. And so they talk about success and they talk about it conceptually at a high level and the audience loves it because they all want to be there. But then Monday comes and there's arguably very little that's shared in a panel from a stage that your typical attendee can digest, think through, apply and execute. And that's one of the biggest frustrations for me attending a lot of these um, larger footprint type conferences. And and right out the gate, I mean, you touched on culture already, but it's it's culture, it's life balance, it's mindset, it's execution, it's collaboration in your smaller working cohorts in that venue. And and the tactical knowledge that y'all share with one another, truly the nuts and bolts of how to. Um, it, it was like nothing that I had experienced. And this was on a limited basis, arguably, in Charlotte for not even 48 hours. So kudos to you for, you know, this isn't really a question, it's more of a statement, but you know, kudos to you for building that and the mindset within the group that is that able to collaborate. So I, I wonder, you know, if you can kind of maybe dig a little bit deeper into some of those um, areas like culture, like leadership, um, like systems, uh, execution that y'all really drive into your membership um, and how you go about being that effective with it. Yeah. Thank you so much for that question. Great question. Um, I have found the same thing about lots of conferences when I was seeking um, tactical information on, okay, what exactly do I do? Just like you said on Monday morning, help me, help me to Help me to figure out what my team meetings look like. How do I motivate my team? How do I improve the culture? How do I 
decrease my overhead? You know, first of all, what is overhead? How do I decrease it? What's the difference between production and profitability? Those sorts of things are really, really important to know. And, and like you said, at a high level, when people are talking about, you know, they have, they have 15, 20, 30 minutes to talk about their journey between, uh, from dental school to, you know, 50 dental practices doing $150 million. That is awesome. And it's, it's, there's a, there's a reason and, um, uh, something it, there's a reason to be exposed to that sort of thing, but at some point you have to get tactical, right? So um, back to your question, I think when it, when it, um, we're talking about putting these things together, these trainings together and keeping it all very clear and concise and getting something out of a 48 hour period of time and um, actually molding your practice and putting it in the trajectory that you want it to go in, we started by saying, okay, first, it's really important to figure out where you are, but before we um, figure out where you want to go. So baselining is really, really important. You know, if you want to lose 15 pounds, you have to know how much you weigh right now. If you want to lose 10% body fat, you have to measure your body fat right now. So we have very, very uh, specific um, assessments for somebody's leadership ability which I hadn't seen anywhere before. Like how effective of a leader are you? You know, it's kind of this nebulous thing. Like, I feel like I'm a better leader than I was a year ago, but there's nothing like tangible to measure that. So we start with that baseline of leadership of, we have a cultural assessment score. You take your, you know, your, your uh, core values and you figure out how much each person on your team embodies those core values and you give them a raw score. And then you average that out and you have this, you know, tangible number that says my culture is this it's an a b c or d you know um we have the same thing for systemization you know how systemized are you in your dental practice it's funny we have this belt ranking system you know white belt blue belt brown belt black belt and it used to be just like if you came in with a 50 percent overhead or less you were considered a, a black belt 20 percent profitability um, you're a black belt, but we figured out that it, it, there's so much more to it. Cause now we get people that come in as financial black belts, as overhead and numbers, black belts, but they're not systemized. They're chaotic. The culture is terrible. Their leadership is off. So now it's just kind of this accumulation of all these assessment scores. And once we have this first picture of where you are, then we reverse engineer exactly how we get to the next step and then to the next. And what is the milestone directly after this and then the next and then the next in order for you get to to maybe 25 practices with you know a 25 28% ebitda um but you have to start somewhere with it with that baseline assessment i love it because you can probably imagine that in in our world like we're the numbers guys right i mean everybody loves analytics everybody loves calculators and roi and irr and all everything else and so you know, when we get the opportunity to speak, we tend to go down rabbit holes that are that are numbers oriented, and and you know, hey, that that's that's why they asked us to to sh what they asked us to share and why they asked us to be there, right? But when we work with clients in our consulting program, we get um, a very deep look at the business, certainly from a financial standpoint and an operational standpoint. But when we're on site we see leadership in its rawest form or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. We see mm -hmm. culture in its rawest form or lack thereof. And, and we talk a lot about that um, and, and have to point it out, you know, with some alarming degree of regularity, but that's not in our wheelhouse. I mean, that's not 
um, we we don't we don't have it system systematized the way that y'all do. That you have made such a commitment to those aspects of the business. I mean, I shared in my presentation the, the Peter Drucker quote of you know culture eats strategy for lunch, and and it really is true. And and if you know when somebody transitions from being a a great clinical dentist with the best set of hands and and 100 case acceptance. And then they start building a group. All of a sudden, the group is not based on their clinical skill. It's based on their leadership skill. And if they don't have the culture foundation laid and set in place, and they can't translate leadership across the organization, I can tell you what the financial results will be without looking at it. You Definitely know, but yep. but it's a it's a foundational aspect. So let's let's maybe think through or talk through. Um, you know, from your memberships context and, and potentially even when somebody enters into your program, what you feel like some of the, the biggest challenges are that they confront when they come to y'all? What's their their driver that says uh, finding dental success is the oasis I've been looking for? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it comes down to the exposure that we have in undergrad, then dental school, when they spit us out and, you know, 85% of dentists own their own dental practices and pretty much 0% have formal business training. So, you know, the bank is always willing to lend us enough money to start one or buy one, depending on our credit score. But, um, and after that, you're just kind of on your own, right? So I think the biggest thing is that the chips are stacked against us if we don't go out and recognize that I have to have a base level knowledge before I have a million dollar asset that I'm that I'm responsible for. And the nine people that are helping me to run this living and breathing organism, you know, I have to get educated very, very quickly. And very few people, A, know where to turn and B, know that they don't know what they're doing. You know, so I think one of the main things that we see is people are are completely oblivious to the number side of things. Um, they feel like things are going in the right direction. They're producing more every month, but there's no money in the bank account at the end of the month, right? That's that's what the, one of the most common things that that we hear. And when people tune into the podcast, they're like mind blown because they're like, oh my gosh. I have to know how to read a financial report. I have to know the difference between a P&L and, a, and an income statement and a balance sheet. It's like, yeah, all of those things are very, very important. And in fact, that's that that should have been required before the bank lent you a million dollars for this asset that you're responsible for running now. So, you know, that is a big thing. And then uh, learning how to be a leader equally, we're never taught how to be a leader. But if you don't have this leadership ability, this ability to... Um, uh, to navigate the waters of human resources and dealing with humans and getting them to produce in a way and, and perform in a way that, that aids the, the success of this business, you can't do it by yourself. So, you know, you have this, uh, this necessity to learn about the financial side of things right away, how to be a strong enough leader so that you can get the team on your side. And that all, links to culture and systemization and, and all of those things. So that's probably a terrible answer to your question, but there's just so many things that you have to focus on right away. No, I, I follow your train of thought. I mean, it's like the, the numbers don't lie. They come to you for the financial reasons. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the, you know, Oh no moment. Um, 
we don't have an explicit rating on this podcast. So I try to maintain that, you know, um, yeah. but so it's the, it's the, oh gosh, type of a scenario when they can see the numbers are in decline and they don't know what to do about it. And then when they get in your environment, they realize that, yeah, the numbers are a problem, but the numbers are an outgrowth of culture, leadership, and a lot of other things. Um, it's not in isolation. You know, we, we're dental practices. The profession of dentistry is a, it is it's a people business, both for the people who work with you and work for you, but the people who come through the front door and pay you for your services and, and agree to go forward with treatment. Um, and, you know, I, I can tell you, I actually went to the dentist this morning of all things for a, a you know, <laughs> hygiene appointment, routine cleaning. And, you know, I've known my dentist at a personal level for a number of years. I have no idea what he charges for cleanings or crowns or anything else, but I trust him. And I know that he runs a good business. Um, uh, not that he shared any of his financials with me, but I know that he runs a good business and it's a very, uh, he has a lot of stability within his team too. So, you know, you can see a good business, the way it operates and the way it works um, from the outside looking in. And I think con today's consumers are a lot uh, more savvy in the way that they make healthcare related buying decisions around some of that too. And if they, you know, if the, if the culture doesn't translate into the uh, patient experience, you have an uphill battle ahead of you. That's for sure. Um, Every time. Yeah. I like to think of it. Uh, one, you know, one of the ways I like to think about it is this allopathic model, the way that, that medicine runs in the Western culture, it's, you know, you have a headache, so you get something to, to treat the symptom right? You have an ulcer. So you get a medication to treat the symptom, you get migraines. So, you, you know, you get a really strong, you know, pain reliever to, to counteract the symptoms, the lack of money in the bank at the end of the month is a symptom. So if you're, if we are treating our practices allopathically, then we're just finding one symptom and treating it, right? So I don't have enough uh, money in the bank at the end of the month. I need to find a marketing agency to triple the number of new patients so that, so that I can increase my, uh, the number of cases so that I can have more cash come through this machine. The problem is you got to fix the machine first. So if you're thinking about this holistically and you're going upstream and you're saying, what was actually the cause for this symptom? The cause for the symptom probably is more than just a broken financial system. It also is that you're a terrible leader. You have no system, so things are chaotic. Your, uh, your, you know, your patient experience is terrible because you're not a good leader, and the people um, uh, don't follow you, and there's a bad culture. So, it's it's never just treating one symptom like no cash. There's always a multifactorial reason upstream for why that is happening. Yeah, and I think one of the uh, uh, things that you impressed upon the audience, I believe it was on uh, Friday, day one, was um, that that it's a result of you. You own everything. You know, it is. It, I think you use the phrase, "It's your fault." Um, you know, but it's that kind of extreme ownership mindset um, that, as entrepreneurs, we have to um, embrace, we have to accept, uh, and we have to lean into. Uh, if we're really going to create change in our business that creates quantifiable improvement, it's not a, you know, well, so-and-so didn't do that right. It's, you know, I, I can't believe they failed again. You know, it's a reflection on you. You own everything figuratively and literally uh, as, as the, the entrepreneur and the person in charge with it.
Um, yeah, for sure. We have an ethos inside the mastermind group and it, you know, it, the number one, uh, ethic inside our group is a hundred percent accountability for everything for better or for worse. It's nobody's fault, but yours, but it's your fault if you become successful and it's your fault if you struggle perpetually. So once you have that clarity, um, it's actually quite liberating because it's like, okay, this is all within my, within my wheelhouse. This is, this is, this is within my control. Now I finally have the resources around me. I have the support around me. I have the accountability around me to fix what's broken here. So it's on, it's, it's on me. It's my responsibility to utilize those resources and utilize the, the personnel around me to, to get this done. Um, really, uh, really great words of wisdom and, and sage advice. Um, let me kind of pivot and, and go back to um, something that, uh, that I witnessed, I'm not going to say I experienced it, but y'all have something called hot seats, um, in your, uh, uh, in your mastermind sessions. And I, I'm, I think I said this at the beginning of my presentation, but I'm part of a, uh, an entrepreneurial coaching group out of Chicago called strategic coach. It doesn't have anything to do with dentistry or anything like that, but it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's entrepreneurs essentially and, and building businesses. Some of them are solo businesses. Some of them are multi-owner businesses uh, and everything in between. And, you know, when we get together once a quarter in, in Chicago, or at least our cohort does, there's teachable material. There's also small group collaboration and, and sharing of experiences. So I would say that Strategic Coach provides 100% of the framework with about maybe 40% of the content and the, the rest, the balance is made up of the members that are that are there um, sharing their experiences. Your hot seats were um, very reminiscent of that for, for me. So I could kind of relate to it um, at, at a, in a different kind of a way. But do you want to um, take our audience through like what a, what a hot seat session is with a coach? What goes on there, the give and take and like, you know, how how that interaction really works. Cause I heard some great things coming out of it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dan Sullivan and strategic coach. I have okay. a lot of friends that have gone through, um, you know, strategic coach and, and, um, I can't say that, that it was an inspiration for me, but I was very pleased when people compared the two uh, groups together. Uh, and apparently, um, we do things very similarly to them as far as the breakouts and stuff. But, um, I will say that, you know, every month, uh, people work with one of our black belt coaches that are inside our group. And that is a one-on-one -on -one interaction. You bring three to five things that you want to focus on things that um, you feel are top priority. And we also have a prioritization kind of matrix like, okay, here, based on all of my assessments, here are the top three uh, priorities right now. We're going to focus on these and we're not going to move on to anything else until we click these off the list. Um, so that's what we work on with our black belt coaches every single month. The difference between a coaching session and a hot seat is that you'll have 10 to 15 people in these small groups that are that are being led by one of our black belt coaches. So we have a number of different things that we go through and it's rapid fire. It's like, what are the lag measures right now? What is your production? What is your overhead? What are your new patients? And you know, we start with 
a baseline of financial stability right now. Where exactly are we? We establish that within you know the first 90 seconds. And then we go around and we talk about their assessments. Where are your four futures assessment, which is just a quick way of saying, how's your balance, basically, your mind, meaning, muscle, and money. Those are our four futures. So where are you as far as that goes? How's your leadership assessment? How's your cultural assessment? How's your systemization? And then we, bo- we boil down on, okay, what are your top three priorities based on your assessments? And then they present us with a challenge or an opportunity, and we dissect that and we reverse engineer how to best get through that particular challenge or the opportunity of setting a new milestone or a new growth goal. We reverse engineer that together. The the black belt coach leads that session, and then the group collectively helps them through that process. And like I was saying earlier, you know, you get hundreds of years of collective experience focusing on one particular challenge and they are, they are, they, it's like this, it, they, they are solved so quickly. Um, you just have to have the right environment of sharing and collaborating and support. You know, you mentioned earlier that um, uh, dentistry uh, can be a lonely profession. Lonely is like the word that I use because I equate it back to when I was a general manager for Patterson, you know, I was responsible for the whole branch and I had an operations manager, service manager and all that kind of stuff, but you couldn't talk to anybody else about what was really going on in the, in the business, you know, and, and it's kind of the same thing. Like you can be surrounded by people and be really isolated and really alone. And it's a, um, it is something that people have to work through when you're not told about it proactively or, or, you know, you haven't experienced it before. And I would say that the, uh, the hot seat sessions are the furthest thing from being isolated or alone <laughs> that I've seen in, in quite a while. I mean, it's highly collaborative. It's really deep. Um, and, and, and the, the person is sharing something that is a real frustration and it's creating challenges for them. And I'm, I'm sure there, there are tears of frustration at, at many a time and something like that. So it's very, it's very raw for lack of a better term. It's true. And and the, the value doesn't just come from the 25 minutes when you're actually sitting on the hot seat. That's when people are actually sweating and, and revealing the vulnerability of, of their, their real situation. What happens is that you listen to people's stories throughout the day of two days and you're, and you realize that their problems, the people in your group are very similar to yours. So as we're solving one problem for somebody else, you in turn are kind of getting some strategy on how to solve your problem. Yeah. Um, just like in strategic coach, it's like, it's not, it's not just when the spotlight is on you that you're actually getting value from that interaction. It's actually helping people through and utilizing your personal experience and expertise to help them through that, that, that solidifies the learning and um, the development. Wonderful environment, really, really revelatory for me. And the furthest thing from some of the other industry conferences that I've uh, attended, I wouldn't even call it a conference. I mean, obviously it was a mastermind session there. That's a lot more, a lot more depth there, but for, for people who are looking for things, um, uh, that are much more to use your word tactical than theoretical, um, they can have absolutely find it with dental success. So Mark, you're, uh, you know, you are, um, uh, a licensed dentist, you practice dentistry, you own multiple dental practices, uh, you're, you're involved working with hundreds, thousands of dentists. Um, 
give me maybe your personal outlook for the profession. You know, I mean, that we're going through an interesting time that's not even necessarily COVID related anymore, but it's all about, you know, I, I find the, the two schools of thought when I talk to people is, you know, on one end, the sky's falling. This is the worst time ever. On the other end, uh, financial returns have never been better in EBITDA and valuation multiples and all this other kind of stuff, you know, but from, from, I don't get a chance to ask Dennis, at least not on the podcast, you know, what your outlook for the profession really is. And you get to see more than most. So I'm, I know I, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I'm very privileged. And then I get to talk to lots and lots and lots of dentists every single month, right? Maybe hundreds, if not thousands, every single month, if you include you know, uh, being up on stage and whatnot, but I, I am extremely optimistic. I'm very bullish on dentistry as a profession. Still, I graduated in 2002 and I, I mean, it's very difficult to even keep up with the technology advance advancements and the surgical advancements and the educational advancements and the access to education and training is, I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. And it's, it's definitely accelerated significantly in the last five to six years. And that is very, very, um, very, very encouraging for our profession. Now, I, I will say that um, there is a significant amount of turbulence out there. Um, there are things that we have to figure out. Um, when the typical dental student has $292,000 in debt when they graduate, um, that's an issue. That's an issue. However, I will say optimistically that it's never been a better time to be a dentist because of the access to advanced training, to advanced um, uh, advanced education when it comes to running a business. Uh, the number of free resources is mind-boggling. When I started my podcast, there was four others, and um, now there's what 150 dentally related podcasts. It's crazy. So there's there's no shortage of content out there to help you on your journey, and formal training programs and masterminds and 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 uh, people that know what's going on. You just have to to be prudent enough to do your research to find the best one that fits you. Um, so I think that uh, although there are some challenges that are facing our profession right now. Um, Mainly consolidation debt, and you know the insurance companies. Uh, I think that there are a lot of reasons to be super optimistic about our about our, the future of dentistry. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think um, you know success leaves clues, and if you're a hundred percent accountable for your your actions and your outcomes, you take it. Uh, you take the onus upon yourself. Um, that if you don't have the wherewithal to create a great business, the education is there. You just have to go find it. You have to find the right group. You have to find the right philosophy and what you're looking for. But the opportunity to, to run a, a highly successful, highly profitable healthcare practice um, is absolutely right in front of you. And, and I think um, the next 10 years are going to be really, really great for the profession and, and everybody involved with it, honestly. So. I agree with um, you, and I'm glad that you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, trust me, I, you know, I'm not looking to find another business card anytime soon. So this gig has got to work, right? <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you so, picked the right uh, profession, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Um, so uh, it, talking about education, um, let's, uh, let's talk about your summit for a quick second here out in Phoenix. It's uh, June 9th through the 11th. Um, and, uh, can you give our audience 
a little bit of an overview of what goes on there, what they should expect, um, and and how they can um, attend if there's still spaces, how they can attend um, that that session as well. Yeah, we're limited to 700 this year. Um, for the last two years, they've limited our attendance just because of uh, pandemic concerns and, and things like that. So it will uh, definitely sell out. It's sold out for the last five years. But what to expect when you get there um, is a lot about kind of uh, what you and I have spoken for the last half hour about, and that is about tactical information where you can take back you know, a handful of notes on Monday morning and integrate that stuff into your practice immediately and make a significant difference in the operations of your practice. And also, um, you know, being able to forecast forward, like not only this is what I'm going to do today to, to plug some of the holes in my bucket, but giving you kind of the vision to say, okay, and once these are plugged, then the next step is going to be this and then this and then this. So I, it's, it's full of case studies of people that have actually, um, significantly increase the effectiveness of their practices. We're talking, you know, uh, between 300 and 750 to a thousand percent growth in two to three years. And it's not just parading these people on stage saying you can do it, work hard. It's tactically like, here's what they did in HR. Here's what they did with the culture of their practice. Here's what they did from a financial side. Here are their actual reports, their financial reports in the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. So we go deep into a lot of that sort of thing. Um, But it's also educational, right? Last year, our keynote speaker was Peyton Manning. This year, our keynote speaker is James Hinchcliffe, who is a six-time Indy race car winner. Uh, He was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, And a lot of our black belts are teaching exactly, um, it's not just me as a speaker, but our black belt coaches are also speaking on exactly how they were able to become black belts and become very, very sophisticated business owners. And again, like our back black belts are very just as much as any other dentist in that some of them are doing $2 million and they have 40% overhead. Some of them have 18 practices, 20 practices, and, and they'll do, you know, 35, 40 million this year. So you'll hear from all different types of, of practitioners, but are, these are all people that have actually done it. There's no theory involved. Awesome. Uh, we're going to, we're going to be there and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it again, being a, a little bit of a fly on the wall um, uh, and getting to learn some myself. So this is going to be a, a great experience. And, and the membership you have is um, it's really second to none. I mean, they're great people. They're highly collaborative. They're very appreciative um, of, of everything that everybody brings to the table. And it's just a wonderful environment. So kudos to you for being the leader that created all of that. Um, I'm, I'm grateful just to be a small part of it. Oh, well, thank you, Perrin. You're a huge hit. People loved your talk. People love every time we get on the mics together. So um, you're a welcome um, and refreshing um, addition to our group, even even in the small way. However, however you want to collaborate with us, we are here. Well, we, I think uh, I think there'll be more collaboration for both audiences to come, because I think the the neat thing about your business and our business is that there's the Venn diagram doesn't overlap too dramatically much, but the the philosophies, the services, the application, and the way we both go about what we do is very much uh, aligned and consistent between the two. And I think that that makes things a lot easier too. So I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it, and I'm I'm super optimistic about uh, the good things to come. Um, Mark, 
uh, share with our audience your contact information where they can learn more about you, more about dental success. We will link to all of it uh, along with the um, uh, with your podcast and everything in the show notes. But um, rip it from the top for our, our audience. Sure. I mean, you can find me anywhere, but the, the main place is truedentalsuccess.com. Um, click on the summit or the live events icon, and you can get to more summit information. If you would like to come, we'd love to have you. Um, the Dentalpreneur podcast, anywhere that you find podcasts, we have a channel called Dental Success TV on YouTube, lots of content being updated on a daily basis. And then I have the regular socials on Instagram. I'm Dr. Mark Costas, C-O-S-T-E-S. And then in Facebook, we have a private group um, of about 8,000 people. We'd love to have you in there. Uh, we talk all day, every day about the sorts of things that Perrin and I were discussing today. That is, um, uh, that is Dental Success Institute on Facebook. Awesome. I can't wait for our brand manager, Mike Dombrowski, to have to um, dialogue all of that and put all of that in the show <laughs> notes. <laughs> we'll make sure it's in there so that everybody knows how to uh, get in touch with you and look forward to having you be a participant in some of the things we've got planned and coming up too. So awesome. thank you uh, very much for your time today, being on the show. This ran a little bit long, but you were jamming and we were uh, we were covering a lot of ground and it's, it's really... Um, uh, it's really great to hear, and I know our audience will be a, a, a huge beneficiary for your time, Mark. Thank you for being on with me today. Thanks so much for your hospitality. It's great to chat with you again. Got it. We'll uh, we'll look forward to doing it again soon. So, and thank you to everybody for being in the audience. Obviously, I, I know that you found that educational and informative. Like I said, we will link to all of Mark's information in the show notes, and hopefully, you can join um, me and my team and Mark and his team out in Phoenix, June 9th through the 11th. If you've got specific questions, you can email them to me directly at perrin at polarishealthcarepartners.com. And obviously find out more about us uh, at www.polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.